Circle of Birth podcast, reclaiming our birth potential with ancient wisdom and stories from birth and beyond, sharing the rich spectrum of family diversity and transformation, stories worldwide bringing together community and connectivity. Come together with story medicine and inspire at our unique birth journeys. We breathe, we birth, we become. Hello and welcome to episode 44 and I must say that you would probably have figured out this is, might have been the longest Circle of Birth podcast yet to date. So well done Amy and it is just an absolutely gorgeous two journeys of birth. Uh, We talk about her journeys from her first birth with her daughter Willow Um, miscarriage with bleeding episodes, you'll hear about cesarean, placental abruption and then a home birth with her second baby. So if you really want to understand the deep process in the fertility and pregnancy journey then this is for you. Amy's just a beautiful storyteller and just shares her journey, journey like we're in the moment and really, really outlines the importance of continuity of care. So enjoy and also I will have the home birth conference podcast coming up this week, fingers crossed. And Amy was at the conference too when we met for the first time. So Amy's also the editor of Home Birth Access Sydney, which is a beautiful little publication and support network and you do not have to be in Sydney to sign up to it. And if you check out the latest issue, I have put my birth story in there which I was so willing and excited to share so enjoy this beautiful journey. Hi Amy thank you for joining us from the Circle of Birth it's a big honour to have you on our show and I'm really excited because I do love to share these stories of yours it's pretty special Um, you've got two birth journeys to share with us so firstly big welcome to you. Oh, thank you so much, Ali. I'm so excited to talk about it. I love talking about this. So we connected because I found you through, you're the editor with Home Birth Access Sydney, which um, I will link to everybody uh, in the show notes. And then I shared my birth story for the upcoming issue and then I really wanted to share yours. So (laughs) here we are. So do you want to start off with your first journey with Willow and sort of briefly touch on how that looked like for you coming into your pregnancy? Yes, sure. So um, Willow's birth starts a little bit before her, even her pregnancy really. So because my home birth journey started before that. So um. We fell pregnant oh, soon after getting married, actually, and we we hired an independent midwife and um, everything seemed to be going fine. I opted for no scans and no testes, testing. And um, then at about 12 weeks, I started spotting and I actually ended up miscarrying with that baby, which was really disappointing and, and yeah, a bit of a shock because I was very innocent before that. Um, So I'll just sort of backtrack again. What did you guys grow up with a sense of birth enough to know that you wanted to have a private midwife and have that birth at home? Yeah um, so my my childhood 
I really wasn't surrounded by birth at all. My my brother was born when I was eight, eight years old, and um, my only real that was really my only uh, experience with birth to that point, and even really until I was in my mid twenties, I suppose, or well, early twenties. Um, but yeah, my mum. We went into the hospital after my mum had my brother, and she. She has always been very, um, she's a, a very strong woman and I was sort of, I was totally in awe that this little baby had come from my mum, but I was also really aware of the fact that she was in a quite significant amount of pain um, even after the birth. And and whenever I sort of spoke to my mum about birth, it wasn't um, all sunshine and roses, it was just it's what you have to do to get the baby out. So, um, yeah, it's painful and it's not very pleasant, but that's the way it is. Um, and as far as my husband's experience with birth, I, I'm not entirely sure really what I can say, except that um, when I spoke with his mum, my mother-in-law, about birth, she was like, yeah, my births were really quick and, um, you know, they hurt, but... It happened really fast. I think Justin, my husband, was born within just like 10 minutes or something ridiculous of her getting to the hospital. Um, so the majority of her labour was in the car because it was a really fast birth. Um, but, yeah, that's that's sort of that early early on uh, experience with pregnancy and, and birth. And then when I was in my early 20s, I – caught back up with a friend that I had known my whole life. She lived around the corner from me when I was very young and our mothers knew each other and were friends. And so, yeah, we had always been friends, but we'd sort of fallen out of contact because she went to a different school to me and we had moved um, house. And so I didn't see her. Then when I got back in contact with her, she already had her son. He was quite young still but um she had had a home birth with him and I remember thinking and actually I remember saying I think you're insane why why would why would you birth your baby at home and you know she gave a really convincing argument but at the same time I was still not ready to hear that um and then one of my other very close friends fell pregnant and had her baby and she had a fairly full-on birth in hospital. And so I was still, you know, I, I knew about, I knew that home birth was a possibility, but it still wasn't really an aspect that I thought I would have considered at that point. Um, and then, yeah, when we fell pregnant, my my friend, the one who had a home birth, her name's Jackie, um, I spoke to her about about birth in general and she was like look just read this book and it was gentle birth gentle mothering by dr sarah buckley and i read that and i just fell in love with this prospect of you know birth doesn't have to be this scary unimaginably unimaginably painful uh thing it can be beautiful and even pleasurable in some instances and it doesn't have to be in a hospital and i was always sort of terrified of the hospital I never wanted to go there and I knew 
after reading this book that, yeah, hospital wasn't really the place that would enable me to birth my babies as efficiently as as I would hope, I suppose. So, yeah, and Jackie actually ended up being my doula for, for my uh, daughter's birth, for Willow's birth and for Hamish's birth. Yeah, it was really special. Yeah, so what, how about your husband? Did he jump on board with your thoughts pretty quickly? Um, yeah, I mean, he he's always been very respectful of the fact that birth and pregnancy and these sorts of things are mostly up to me because it's my body that is going to be going through these things. Um, but initially I think he was a bit nervous about the whole idea. And then as he's also, we, we used to go to dinner with Jackie and her husband um, and we'd talk about birth and pregnancy and slowly but surely he got more and more comfortable. And then we met with um, my midwife at the 12-week appointment for that first pregnancy I had. Um, and he, I think he was, from that point forward, he was, yes, let's do this. It's totally fine. The midwife knows what she's talking about. She, He was absolutely confident that if anything were to happen, this midwife had our best interests at heart and, and knew how to best care for us and look after the baby and myself. He was at every one of um, Willow's pregnancy meetups with the midwife as well. I think he might have missed one, but, yeah, he was very involved and and I was really grateful for that. He was very much a part of the pregnancy and everything that went on before and after it, which has been beautiful. But I think, I think the thing that convinced both of us that home birth was most definitely the right choice for us was that um, – I didn't miscarry easily with that first baby. Um, and after about oh, four weeks of just the, basically still bleeding and just having discharge that was abnormal and I ended up going to the hospital and um, and the treatment I got there was fantastic from the obstetrician, which was uh, I'm so grateful for. And then... As we were staying in, I had to stay overnight in the hospital and they were very, um, I mean, they were very open to the fact that I I was struggling with the fact I had lost a baby and that this wasn't how this was meant to happen and everything like that. But they actually put me in the maternity section of the hospital and so I could hear women with their babies and I could see pregnant women walking past and um, they despite being respectful of my decisions and those sorts of things, I just, we weren't comfortable in that space and we weren't really, um, yeah, we just didn't feel confident and comfortable in, in being in that area, in that place. And, and a lot of the decisions that we would have made, we knew that we couldn't make them in that scenario in that sort of situation with that sort of system going on so that really sort of emphasized yeah this isn't where we want to birth a baby and um yeah, yeah and so how did you find the support of your midwife during the miscarriage oh she was amazing so um I was on the phone to her pretty regularly before we knew that I was miscarrying and then once I did once we knew that that's what was happening um she touched base 
a few times within the first week, whenever I needed her, basically. She was incredible. And that's one of the my favourite things that when I talk to people about home birth, I say um, even if even if you didn't end up having a home birth or even if you end up miscarrying or something, having that support and that continuity of care, even from that really early on stage, is just it's invaluable. Like you can't you can't get that sort of knowledge and support anywhere else, I don't think. Um, and yeah, she was just amazing. And then as as you'll see when when I end up after Willow's birth, I ended up with a um, cesarean and she was she just never shied away from the hard things. She was always there and she was always present and she was always willing to talk about how I was feeling and and what this meant and really help me process and work through those feelings. And I'm just so grateful for that. And yeah, we've become friends because of what I've experienced with her by my side. So yeah. It's pretty nice. Yeah, really important to share too. And I just reflect that, yeah, midwives don't just leave you. Um, well, you know, if you look at an independent midwife or um, if you get a really good continuity care in the system, but just focusing now on a private midwife going through that situation, they just don't abandon you. They'll be there th- throughout that. And I remember myself um, after the miscarriage and then becoming pregnant again and phoning my midwife and being really excited um, and having that moment because there's someone that's been through this like your partner they've been through this whole loss journey with you and then the you know the possibility and the hope and the optimism of the new pregnancy it's just really exciting to know ah this is the same person that I want to engage with and I can ring them up and tell them that I'm pregnant and we can go through this journey again and it's just really nice to know that you don't have to go back and fill in your whole story with someone else and see different people and you've got someone there that's going to support you and knows you. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah, totally incredible having that sort of relationship with someone who is going to care for you in subsequent pregnancies as well. Yeah. Yeah. So let's get on to your pregnancy with Willow and the birth. Yeah, so... um. I fell pregnant soon after after the miscarriage was finally um, complete, and I. So I was, can I just ask it? Can I just go back oh. again? Did Did you know why the bleeding took so long, or they didn't have any? They didn't really know, yeah. um, and and essentially what ended up happening towards the end was that um, I had passed everything except a huge pile of clots, basically. And the obstetrician, they were talking about, you know, we might need to do a DNC. And then the obstetrician looked um, with a speculum and she was like, oh, it's sitting right there. Can I just pull it out? And I was like, yeah, sure. And she did and that was it. It stopped. And so I think maybe the some of the retained products, they call it, um, had gotten stuck around my cervix and so that was something that was an interesting thing for me to think about during my pregnancy because I was like well if I can't pass that how am I going to pass a baby and like how is a baby going to get through there if that didn't come away properly so that was something that I needed to process and work through and 
slowly but surely I, I realized, well, that's not really an indicator anyway. And, and yeah, my body did what it was meant to do. It, it did end up passing everything. I didn't require any intervention besides just a little nudge basically. And yeah. So mm. yeah, that in the end, it was just retained product, I suppose. Okay, that's quite interesting that carrying that thought through of, you know, how am I going to birth if, you, if, I, if I got this? And <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. yeah, so head on to Willow's pregnancy for us now. Yeah, so uh, Willow's pregnancy was pretty incredible overall. Um, the first 12 weeks were very difficult for me and that's because I'm, I'm a typically fairly anxious type of person I suppose anyway but I was even more so during that pregnancy because of our history um and so I ended up actually having some pain and then I had an enormous bleed while we were at a friend's uh, 21st birthday party um and it was like I'm talking gushing blood I have never seen that amount of blood before and I ran to the bathroom and my really close friend came in and asked me, um, Amy, we, are you pregnant? And I was like, I was. And then I said, I just need you to get my husband. And so she went and got Justin and he came in and while I was sitting there bleeding, gushing blood, I said to him, if this baby is gone, it, that's it. I'm not doing this again. And, and, you know, that was a really difficult point because we both really wanted children, but Dustin just said to me, yeah, okay, I, I get it. And, and that's, if that's your choice, that's what we'll do. Anyway, so, of course, as all of my pregnancy um, issues tend to happen over public holiday weekends, I had to wait for five days. It was over the Australia Day long weekend, and I was only nine weeks pregnant, and I'd already had a scan which had showed actually no I hadn't had a scan at that point but I knew that um this pregnancy was going along the right track because I had had some uh some blood tests early on that showed that HCG was going up and everything looked good um and yeah we went to that uh, in the meantime before the scan and I was talking to my midwife and she was saying look just lie horizontal <laughs> just keep everything in relax don't do much and let's just wait and see what the scan reveals and I started looking up stories and found all of these things about subchorionic hematomas and I went that's what I've got and I think Justin was kind of not believing me and was like oh, you know I understand you want to be hopeful but you know don't get too hopeful and I was like no that that is what happened that is exactly what's going on anyway we went to the ultrasound and we saw a tiny flickering little heartbeat and it was the most incredible moment I was just we just both both burst into tears and it was just such a huge exciting adre adrenaline rush at that point like oh my gosh the baby's still alive and I was right it is a hematoma and and so from that moment on I felt so much better about that pregnancy um and I really started to bond with Willow from that point on. And we ended up naming her while she was in my belly. We named her Hope. And, um, yeah, it was that was just one of the ways that we were connecting with her. 
And then as time went on, the bleeding petered out. Everything was fine. I had another tiny bleed um, close to 20 weeks, but given the history, we weren't too concerned and I ended up having a morphology scan soon after that and everything was fine. Baby was beautiful. The hematoma had resolved, they told me. So I was like, okay, great. This is all looking set to go. The placenta was in the right spot. Everything was great. And, um, and yeah, then the rest of the pregnancy went smoothly. I had virtually no sickness. Um, I felt wonderful the whole time. I felt feminine and beautiful, curvy, and just I was absolutely loving feeling this little womb dweller um, kicking around in my belly and, and really enjoying bonding with her. And I used to carry this stone around that one of my friends gave me that had hope inscribed on it. And that was, yeah, something that I used to take all of my appointments and whenever I was concerned about her. But typically I felt really great. You know, I could feel her moving. Everything was fine. And then come, it was about 35 and a half weeks, I started getting Braxton Hicks. And I'd had them from really early on. But um they were sort of regular and I mentioned something to my midwife and she was like, okay, we'll just, you know, take it easy. We, we don't want this baby coming yet. So just, yeah, lay down and try and rest and relax as much as you can. Go hop in the bath and then they sort of petered off. And then at around, it was the end of that 35th week, I went on maternity leave and um, I decided that because I hadn't had a chance to go swimming my whole pregnancy because I'd just been too busy, I, I was doing, I was completing my PhD at that time and it just felt like, oh, you know, I want to get in the water and I just want to go swimming. And so I did and I, I swam two kilometres and I remember thinking afterwards, I think I've overdone it. My belly's hurting. That probably wasn't a good idea. That's so I went impressive. <laughs> Oh, it was it was very ridiculous now that I look back on it. Like, why would you do that when you hadn't been swimming your whole pregnancy? And, I mean, I was pretty fit anyway, but it was just like, why? Why do that? So, yeah. Yeah. Well, like you question so many things in pregnancy, why we do it, don't you? But there's obviously some sort of energetic reason behind it. <laughs> Absolutely. So, anyway, I, I went home and I relaxed and... And, yeah, the Braxton Hicks kicked off again. And I was like, oh, that was really stupid. Why did I do that? And I told my midwife and she's like, look, just lay down. And so I was like, okay, I can do that. So I just chilled out a bit. Um, and that was over, it, it was the weekend at that point. And, yeah, the Braxton Hicks kept coming. And then I lost some of my mucus plug on the Sunday. And as much as I was excited, I was also like, oh, man, this is still too early because I was only 36 weeks. I'd only just gone on maternity leave. I wasn't ready to have a baby. I hadn't done anything to plan for her like uh, I'd planned for her or for my maternity leave. My baby shower was scheduled for 37 weeks. So anyway, I said to Justin, look, I think you need to get some of the clothes ready just in case because, you know, if she can't, if – and." I say she because at that point I really did know that she was a girl. I hadn't, we hadn't been told at the morphology scan, but I intuitively knew from the moment I fell pregnant that this baby was a girl. Um, I, I bought pink clothes and I decorated things and my husband kept saying, it's going to come back to bite you. And I was like, no, it's a girl. Anyway, so, yeah, I, 
ended up saying, yeah, you need to get the clothes ready. And so does went about doing that and getting things ready and, um, and then he went back to work on the Monday and everything seemed fine and I just kept having, you know, these semi-regular contractions, I suppose, or Braxton Hicks is what I thought they were. Um, and that kept happening on the Monday and then the Tuesday. And then Tuesday night, my dog um, had a beautiful bull terrier. Her name was Dossie. And she started going berserk. And I, she was old. Like, I'm talking 14 years old. So going berserk was not one of those typical things that she would do. And I actually took videos of it because I was like, this is so bizarre. What is she doing? Anyway, yeah, she went totally nuts that night. She wouldn't leave my side. Um, she was basically sitting on top of me. And she knew that something was happening. And I didn't at that point. I noticed that my belly had changed shape. I felt like uh, Hope, as we called her, had moved to the other side of my belly. And I was just like, oh, this is very odd. I'm just going to go to bed. Anyway, that morning at about 2.30, I woke up and felt a gush. And I was like, oh, maybe it's, it just feels like discharge. I'll just go back to sleep. And then I was like, no, you know, I'm just going to get up and check. I need to go to the toilet anyway. And when I checked, it was bright red blood. And I just, I remembered my heart sinking and just thinking, oh, no, like, please don't lose another baby. Please not again. And I couldn't feel willow hope moving and so um I went and I hadn't even told Justin what was going on I just rang my midwife I went and laid in the bed and called her and she was remarkably coherent for 2 30 in the morning but she basically said listen to your body and your intuition what is it telling you what do you want to do and I said I just want to go to hospital and she was like all right go do that, I'll meet you there. So I woke Justin up, we jumped in the car and he raced me down to the hospital. It was absolutely pouring rain. We almost missed the turn off. He got in there and meanwhile, um, I think my midwife had called ahead to the hospital because they met me at the doors with a wheelchair, um, chucked me in the wheelchair, wheeled me into the maternity uh, delivery suite and then the midwife put a CTG monitor on and we heard uh, Willow's heartbeat. And I remember thinking, oh, thank goodness, she's still there. Everything's okay. Um, I was still bleeding substantial amounts at this point and my Braxton Hicks, which I then found out were contractions, had amped up and so they were coming every minute and a half and lasting for about 40 seconds. But they weren't, they weren't painful. They were just... Yeah, they just felt like Braxton Hicks. And anyway, so the midwife said, look, given the amount of bleeding that's going on, I'm going to have to call the obstetrician in. So he came in and and I had, when during my pregnancy, I had had to meet with him um, just so that I could book into the hospital, essentially. And I, I didn't like him very much. And I remember saying to him, because he said, oh, you know, we can't really do delayed cord clamping and I was like, look, that's what I want. And I said, these are the things I expect from you. And that's what I want for my birth. And then I was like, but, you know, it doesn't really matter because I'm not going to see you again. And he was like, yeah, okay, no worries. And so, of course, when I saw him again, he was like, oh, hello, raised eyebrows. And, and 
I just, oh, I, I remember just feeling like I just, I did not want to be there. But, you know, I was there because I needed to be and my baby needed me to be. So anyway, he did an ultrasound and he instantly just turned white. And I remember thinking, like, you know, it can't be that bad. She's still moving. Like I could feel her moving and kicking around at this point. I knew that it was okay. But he said, um, you're having a placental abruption. You're, oh, well, no, actually, sorry. I'll rephrase that. He said, your placenta has come away from your uterus. And I said, I'm having a placental abruption. And he looked at me and said, how do you know what that's called? And I was like, I, I've read about it. And I knew that it was something that could happen if you had a subchorionic hematoma that you might, um, I don't think it's very substantial amount, but it's somewhat correlated. And so I had read about it. I knew what it was. And so he said, okay, well, that's not all. Um, the part of the placenta that has come away is actually sitting between the baby's head and your cervix. And then he started talking about vasa previa and how it could be vasa previa. And he said, we've got to get this baby out now. And he was shaking and freaking out. And I remember saying, I just need a moment to discuss this with the midwife. And by this point, my midwife still hadn't arrived um, because we had she lived an extra 45 minutes away from the hospital to us. So she was still on her way. Um, and so I spoke to the midwife that was there and asked if she could talk me through what was going to happen and everything and, and explain to her all of the wishes that I had if, if we were going to go for a cesarean, including you know delayed cord clamping. I wanted to see the, the baby coming out. I wanted her to be placed on my chest immediately, so no weighing or anything. Um, and I wanted dimmed lights. I had all of these gentle cesarean ideas that I wanted. And in the end, the obstetrician said to me, if you want this baby out alive, you'll just do what we are going to do. And he said, you can have the baby on your chest straight after the birth, but everything else, I'm not going to do. And your husband's allowed in theatre, that's fine, but everything else, I, we just need to get the baby out. And I went, okay, look, you know, I, I didn't have the option and I didn't have the power at that point to say, no, this is what I want. And I was scared of my baby. So I went, yeah, okay, fine. Um, Did you find a lot more of that scared feeling was coming off of that energy too that was coming back to you from the obstetrician, that... Oh, absolutely. I wasn't scared before he got there. I mean, I was concerned because I was thinking, you know, why would I be bleeding? But when when he started shaking and really getting nervous about it, I was like, well, this mustn't be something that's very common then. You must, there must be something really severely wrong going on for you to behave this way. Because, you know, he sees birth day in, day out. Um, and so, yeah, I was, I definitely was feeding off his fear as well and and my so when the obstetrician came back I said look okay yes the cesarean is fine I signed the forms um oh actually before that my husband said to me so we're going home aren't we because you know I'd talked to him about how the hospital system often pressures women into unnecessary cesareans and and you know it's at this point, it's three o'clock in the morning. My husband's still basically asleep. Um, and so he, 
he just said to me, we are going home, aren't we? And I said, no, no, babe, we're having, we're having our baby today. He was like, oh, shit, okay. So, um, and I, so the obstetrician came back. I signed all of the papers. Um, he rang the other obstetricians that he needed to come in and the anaesthetist because it's not a hospital that typically has an anaesthetist on, like, right there. So they're just on call. And, um, and then I rang my mum and I remember just, I, I just said to her, I'm, I'm in the hospital and I'm about to have a cesarean and I just wanted to call you because I know that you would be scared and, and upset if you didn't know about this. And, and I just wanted someone to know basically. And my mum was, oh, she was a bit of a wreck really. Um, because she was so scared for me. I had never, I'd never had surgery. I hadn't broken a bone for goodness sake. Like I'd barely ever been to the hospital. And so for mum to be called in the middle of the night, essentially, and told that her, her daughter is going for major surgery, um, was a bit too much, I think. And I just cried and I cried and cried and, and spoke to my mum and she's like, you're going to be okay. Um, and can you call me as soon as you're out and I will come and I'll, I'll come you want me to come now? And I said, no, there's no point coming yet, but I'll call you once I'm out. Anyway, so, and it just felt really good to touch base with my mum because I've got a really, got a really good bond with my mum and I love her to bits, but she, she has shared everything in my life with me essentially. And, and I've always been very honest with her and it, it was just good for me to be able to touch base with her, with another woman that, you know, had birthed babies and knew what this sort of process was like even though she hadn't had a cesarean herself mm, and, and even so, those few words that she just said could have just shifted that whole you know you you were coming into such a huge thing with no sort of identity with hospitals much and then a lot of fear coming from the staff and you know it's just those few words can shift a whole thing for you going into that surgery yeah absolutely it was I felt so much better going in after speaking to my mum. Yeah, even, so, even though your poor mum had to yeah. <laughs> probably sit and she would, all night you know, worrying. Oh, she would have been a wreck worrying yeah. about what was going on. But, they um, always say that's their job, so. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and now as a mother I can see, yes, worrying is definitely one of those yeah. things that comes with motherhood. Exactly. But, um, yeah, so, it, yeah, it felt good to touch base with her and then, they wheeled us into or wheeled me into the theatre um, and my husband met me at the doors to theatre and he was was hilarious. He was saying to the um, midwife, I just can't get these stupid boots on. So they've got, um, they give you these little, you know, baggy things to put around your boots. They've got an elastic and so that, you know, everything's sterile in the operating theatre. But my husband's quite enormous. So he's he's six foot, almost six foot six, and his feet are equally gigantic. And so um, he, he just couldn't put these things on. And I remember just thinking that was hilarious at the time. Um, and that's probably because I was, you know, I was just about to meet my baby. I'd gone a little bit batty by this point. And, you know, it was, it was just one of those things that I remember thinking, how hilarious. Anyway, so we went in um, and I asked if I could hug my husband while they did the spinal and they said because sometimes partners have a tendency to faint and 
it's, it's not always what they choose. So um, please hug the nurse instead. So I ended up hugging the midwife. They did the spinal and I remember saying, when's it going to get bad? Because I was expecting it to be horrifically painful for them to put that in. And um, the anaesthetist said, no, it's done. And I was like, oh, okay, all right. So that was one part that I was really quite scared about, but it ended up coming off totally fine. So um, they laid me down and I I kept questioning the anaesthetist and he was really, really lovely. Um, So I kept saying, you know, is it meant to tingle here? Why does the left-hand side of my body feel like it's a lead weight and the right-hand side doesn't? And what's going on with this? But he talked me through everything and I was so grateful for that. Um, My husband sat next to my head and held my hand and we listened to the the obstetricians banter and talk about, you know, their days and what they had planned and it was all very bizarre. And I remember Justin reflecting to me afterwards that, you know, this is just another day for them. But to us, it's such an enormous, you know, welcoming of this new baby into our family and you're having major surgery and these obstetricians are just chatting like it's nothing, essentially. And, yeah, it felt, in some ways, that felt disrespectful. Like, you know, you're not really acknowledging how how incredible your position is, for one, that you get to welcome babies into the world every day, but also how much of an effect this is going to have on this woman, this family. Like, you know, a cesarean section isn't just cutting a bit of skin, it's, removing a baby from a woman's body it's it's a huge thing and so yeah it was quite full-on um yeah it comes up a lot in you know hearing and recording podcasts is this whole language in birth and especially in that situation quite disassociating for you two just to sit there and just having all that banter go on uh, especially being told you know this is like huge you know emergency cesarean blah 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 and then just having like general chit chat not inclusive of you guys it's not like you know we're, we're here for you and this is what's going to happen now and just keep that chit chat for the the next room or you know out of that room out of your space yeah exactly I mean they're not there for really all that long <laughs> they could talk about something a little less um yes, yeah we'll talk to you guys you know <laughs> you're there yeah. he's like very they're getting very intimate with your body it's always good to maybe just talk to you about what's going on and um, yes. it's, it's it's like I don't know like I'm with when I get needles done um or blood drawn I always specifically say to the person, I'm like, okay, you need to talk to me about mundane things. I'd just like you to talk to me about what I do while I get this done. And, you know, it's that same thing. It's like you're, you're, like, you're drawing stuff from my body. You're actually doing stuff to my body. I need you to make sure that you're an okay person to do that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Yeah. I, I totally agree with that. Yeah. 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 And so – and I could feel – I could feel them, you know, sort of hugging around and everything. I couldn't feel any of the sharp pains or anything, like them cutting, nothing like that. Um, but I could feel movement, I suppose, in my body and that they were pulling things. Um, and and then there was an almighty crash and and the obstetrician started laughing, which – I'm grateful had nothing to do with my body in the end, but um, it turned out that the student obstetrician they had called in. So there, there was a team of five obstetricians in the room while I was birthing this baby. Um, 
and one of them was a student obstetrician and he fainted. Um, and so they wow. dragged him. Yeah, they dragged him into the corner and just left him there while they finished off pulling the baby out. Um, and and so the banter changed from what they were doing that day to what sort of lollies they keep in their car to keep themselves awake when they get called out for these sorts of situations. But, um, oh, my gosh. <laughs> it was just bizarre. It was just one of those things that's like, oh, my gosh, it, it could only happen to me, couldn't it? And so um, anyway, so, yeah, I could feel them pulling and tugging and then all of a sudden there was this big, like I felt like a big weight had come out. And I turned to my husband and I said, oh, she's been born. She's, she's here. And, um, and moments later we heard her screaming. And my husband, I'm so grateful for this, he sat there with me and held my hand. He tried to look around the drapes but it's not as if he jumped up and grabbed the baby or anything. He was there for me and I needed that because I couldn't see her. I could just see her. And they had promised me that um, I would be given immediate skin to skin. So baby would be placed straight on my chest um, as soon as the delayed cord clamping was finished. But they didn't end up doing delayed cord clamping because it was an abruption. Um, so they cut her off from the placenta virtually straight away and they didn't place her on my chest they weighed her and measured her and then they wrapped her in a hospital blanket and then passed her to my husband and he passed her to me and I remember I, I didn't at the time I didn't even think about it because I was just so I suppose shocked as to what was going on but as soon as she was placed on my chest I got so angry and I remember saying to Justin get this hospital blanket off get her get it off and so he's helped me unwrap her and Put me, put her on my chest, and I had her skin to skin, and I just, oh, there was just this massive flood of relief. Like, okay, she's here, she's got her little eyes open, and she's the most perfect squishy thing I've ever seen. And she was tiny, but just so beautiful, and had all of these little like electrode things all over my body, I suppose, measuring different things, stats and stuff. But um, uh, yeah, it was just the most incredible moment and the midwife offered to take a picture for us and um she took a photo of us all cuddling willow in the operating theater and I turned to my husband and he had tears in his eyes and I remember thinking yeah that's exactly how I feel I mean I was crying but I had never seen my husband cry except for once before that when his dog of 14 years had passed away um and so yeah, it was just absolutely overwhelming and just the most amazing thing to have that little baby Earthside finally and with us and we could see her and and when um when he was when he was past the baby, he said, Oh, it's a girl, Amy, it's a girl and I said, I know, I've been telling you that for eight months already. <laughs> um, but yeah, so she came out beautifully pink and healthy and screaming and her outguards were fantastic and, yeah, it was all – she was perfect. Um, and then they took the placenta out. I told them, don't chuck that placenta out. I want it. So they put it in a ice cream container, I think. or No, I think they put it in a medical waste bag and sent it with us and then the midwife put it in the plastic ice cream container once my midwife, my private midwife, got there um, and delivered it. But, yeah, so they transferred us to recovery 
and um, I tried to do uh, baby-led attachments, so breastfeed the baby, let her attach herself to the breast, but I was shaking. Like I have never – I just shook so much, and I just – I felt like, oh, I'm going to give this baby, you know, shaken baby syndrome or something. Like I was shaking so, so severely. And then soon after that, um, my midwife, my independent midwife, and I'll just call her Jo because that's her name, beautiful Jo Hunter, um, and she was bashing at the doors of the recovery unit and and her, the look on her face was exactly how I had felt moments before, like just sheer concern and, you know, she was just so invested in us. And, um, and I had felt safe given Justin was there. I felt safe. But once she got there, I was like, okay, I felt calm, like centered and like, okay, it's all going to be all right because she's here and that's just what I needed at that moment. And so she talked me through um, breathing, trying to, you know, stop the shakes essentially, all of that adrenaline surging and everything. And and progressively um, I did sort of slowly stop shaking and then tried to latch Willow to the breast and and it was around that time while I was sitting there with her um, that she she never fed brilliantly, but she did latch in recovery. And I remember looking down at her and saying to my husband, I think her name's Willow. And he was like, what? But that wasn't even on the list. Like, you know, we hadn't even thought of that name. And I said, no, I, I can't get it out of my head. I think that's her name. He was like, all right, well, let's, you know, think about it and, and so they transferred us to the room after recovery, so to our own sort of personal room, which was fantastic. It's a fairly small hospital. So, um, yeah, we were pretty well unbothered and got put in this room right at the end of the hallway. But we later found out that that was the prisoner's room where they keep the um, people from the local prison. And so um, the there was no sort of, hose on the shower head there were bars on the windows it had like a an observation room at the front with bulletproof glass um and it was just absolutely bizarre it had its own like quarantine air conditioning system it was just ridiculous so anyway this is like adding adding to the bizarre things that have accumulated yeah it was just so odd anyway so we were in there and yeah we slowly settled in and I fed willow and um we just sort of bonded and and when I looked up the meaning of willow it was just perfect so it meant um slender and she was she was six pound but she was um 51 centimeters long she was really tall and skinny it meant resilient and she had dealt with a placental abruption and a subchoronic hematoma um and I'll I'll speak a bit more about the placenta in a second but yeah, that was pretty incredible. Um, determined, and she absolutely is determined or stubborn, whichever one you want to call it. I'll call it determined. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and it was just – and healing was the last thing. And I was like, she's our our baby after a miscarriage, and she most certainly was healing. And she – yeah, she fixed those wounds on her way out. Um, she, she had a new one that had adorned my belly, but – um, a lot of the emotional trauma, I suppose, that I had sustained from my miscarriage, it it felt virtually 
like it was still significant, but it felt so much more easy to bear mm. um, from the moment that she was placed on my chest. Yeah. And so full healing circle. Absolutely. Mm. And so um, yeah, and the placenta, they they brought the placenta and showed me that had enormous blood clots on both sides. Um, and so we thought that perhaps the hematoma hadn't actually resolved. Um, and it was virtually minced because of the way they had to remove it during the surgery, I suppose. But yeah, it, it just, it was not a healthy looking placenta. And the midwife actually said to me, do you smoke or take recreational drugs at all? And I was like, oh, no. And she said, oh, because this placenta is quite, um, it's, a, a, it's very typical of a woman who would abuse drugs. I was just like, oh, great. So I had no idea why that had happened, and I still don't. And uh, that was that was the big lesson um, I had to learn from Willow's birth. I, I remember listening to one of your other podcasts by Jane Hardwick-Collins, and she talked about how our babies teach us the lessons we need to learn to parent them. And, yeah, I absolutely, I learned that, you know, sometimes you just need to release things and let go and just accept that that's what they are. Um, and that's what I've needed to do with Willow. Just don't hold on to these ideas and just be flexible, I suppose. Mm, I um, love that. Yeah. yeah. And so, what, yeah. What that ha- ended that, up happening to the student obstetrician? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know if he was brought to recovery as well or what happened, but I presume he's okay now. <laughs> I wonder, um, must be like a sheepish feeling kind of waking up. And, yeah. oh, I wonder yeah. if his career is still going, his studies. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. I, I said to Dustin afterwards, surely it didn't look that bad. But you know, at that point in the morning, it probably doesn't look that great either. So. <laughs> You're listening to the Circle of Birth podcast, circleofbirth.com. Heading into your next pregnancy and this amazing birth journey, which I can't wait to share this. Um, yeah, let's let's walk through that. Yeah, so um, I pretty much as soon as Willow was born, I was thinking about, well, with the next baby, I don't want to be a cesarean. Uh, what what can I do? And I started thinking about VBACs and home birth after cesarean. And in my mind, home birth after cesarean was um, it was where I was going to go. But at the same time, I was really nervous about whether that would be an option for me once I did fall pregnant. Anyway, and this is you know straight after Willow was born. I I had it in my mind. I have to wait at least eighteen months fall pregnant again because I want my body to be healed and I want I want the best chances I can have to have a natural birth for the next baby um and so yeah I I kept talking with my midwife and debriefing and talking with my doula um and they they were both amazing at helping guide me through everything um and so around it was at around 18 months I said to Justin I, I want to fall pregnant again. I want another baby. And um, and he, I remember feeling so sort of, not heartbroken, but just a bit deflated when he said, 
do we have to? And I found out later that a lot of that was because he was pretty scared, I think, of not only potentially losing another baby, but potentially losing me as well. Like, you know, placental abruptions aren't things that are particularly easy for a woman's body and they can be quite catastrophic. And so he he had in his mind everything that the obstetrician had said to him, like, you know, the next baby would have to be a cesarean and he knew I wouldn't want to do that. And he was he was scared and so was I. Um, and so, yeah, we started talking about it at about 18 months and I said, look, let's just try. If we fall pregnant, then great. Um, and so we did and we tried and we tried a bit more and more and nothing was happening. And a year later, still I hadn't fallen pregnant and I was, I was sort of like, what is going on? Like I fell pregnant so quickly the first time and so easily the second time. So why is it an issue this time? Anyway, so I started seeing all of the people I saw a herbalist, an acupuncturist, a myrabdominal masseuse, um, uh, and did I say acupuncture, a chiropractor, um, a naturopath. I pretty much saw, I, I started doing breath work. I saw all of these different people. I was doing yoga. I was being as proactive as I possibly could. I was going to get pregnant. About three months and I decided I'm going to start weaning Willow because she was still feeding and she was still feeding frequently and I thought that that probably had something to do with it. And so I weaned her back to three feeds a day, I think it was. And at this point, she's, you know, two years old, two and a half. And so she was well ready um, and and had, you know, she just enjoyed having, having food basically <laughs> for comfort and everything that, you know, it helps her world. And I just talked to her a lot about it and said, you know, mommy wants to have another baby and I don't think I can do that and feed you as much milk as I have been. Would you be okay if we didn't do this as much? And she was like, yeah, sure. And so that was easy. So we cut back to three times a day. It was morning, midday, and nighttime, and she was night weaned at that point, so that was all good. Um, and I fell pregnant. And, you know, oh, we were so elated and so excited, and but I wasn't having very much nausea or any sort of really full-on pregnancy symptoms. And I called Jo and I told her, I don't feel right and I'm kind of concerned about this. And and she said, look, just it's really early days, love, just wait. Like, you know, there's not a lot you can do. Um, and so we waited and then I ended up miscarrying. And I was like, oh, not again. But it was really early this time. It wasn't the, you know, 13-weeker that happened last time. It was at six weeks. And so, you know, I was disappointed, but um, I felt like, oh, well, Let's just try again. We'll, we'll just see what happens. And Willow was very involved with this. So she knew I was pregnant and then she knew that the baby had passed. And um, and so and I was always very open with her um, about all of this. And I suppose one of the reasons I did that was because my mum has always been very open with me. And I so appreciate that from her because it's given me so much more insight into the world around me and it's also provided me with you know great um like I feel fantastic about my body my mum was you know always very open about her body she never put herself down in front of me she was always very positive in that regard and so all of those sorts of things I'm trying to instill in my daughter as well um 
but so we went through we went through that miscarriage and then um, we fell pregnant again soon after that and again I was so nervous and I said to Justin I just I don't know about this like I don't feel right but I'm really hopeful and I'm like surely it's going to be okay anyway so we went and had I, I had a HCG test um and um my daughter said to me mommy is this is this baby going to die as well? And I was like, oh, love, I don't know. I, I hope not. And she said, I don't I don't think this baby wants to stay. And I was like, oh, okay. And, you know, that, that really sort of broke my heart that, you know, she was already thinking this one's not staying. And and then we got the results back for the beta HCG and I was miscarrying again. And, oh, I was just so devastated. And I remember. How old was she at that time? She was two and a half. Oh, that's so yeah. intuitive. Amazing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. She's incredible. Yeah. Incredible girl. And so, yeah, so um, she knew and we, we said to her, yeah, the baby died. And she was like, oh, okay. And, you know, she's not sad about death. She's so open about it. It's like, well, that's just what happens. Like, you know, okay, that's just part of life. And it absolutely is. I, I love that she's got that viewpoint on it. Um. Yeah, we could learn so much. We, well, we should always learn so much from children, don't we? <laughs> we do, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It's taught me more about the world around me than anyone else, I think, at this point. So, yeah, she um, and so she was just really accepting of that, which helped me be more accepting of it as well. Um, and, yeah, I remember just uh, saying to Justin, I'm not, I'm not trying anymore. We're just going to leave it. And he was like, all right, no worries. Like, we'll just leave it. And so I quit everything. No more naturopathy, no more kinesiology, no acupuncture. I just stopped everything. And I was like, that's it. I'm not spending money on this anymore. I'm not spending time and heart energy and whatever is going on. I'm just letting it go. And then Hamish came along, of course, because his lesson is surrender. Willow was flexibility. Hamish's is surrender. Just surrender. What will be will be. And so um, I, yeah, once I did, I fell pregnant with Hamish and I didn't know. And Willow said to me, mum, is this baby going to die as well? And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about, darling. And she said, the baby in your tummy. And I was like, uh, mummy doesn't have a baby in her tummy, love. I, I don't think there, there is one. And she was like, yeah, there is. And she just left it at that. And I was like, okay. And so I went and tested and sure enough, I was pregnant. And um, and she did some other totally bizarre things. Like she told me I was eating um, pasta sauce and, and pasta, I suppose. Um, and she said to me, the baby doesn't like tomatoes, mommy. And I was <laughs> like, why wouldn't the baby like tomatoes? Like it's been part of my diet since forever. And sure enough, that night I was up with like horrendous stomach cramps and felt like I was going to throw up. It was awful. And every time I had tomatoes during Hamish's pregnancy, I felt that way. So she just knew. It was wow. just absolutely bizarre. Can I um, borrow her for like future pregnancies? <laughs> I'd love to loan her out, yeah, but I need I <laughs> Yeah, she, um, she's incredible. And, and, yeah, there were so many things where she just knew. And she didn't really... Like, she wasn't that excited about feeling my belly or anything, but she had this connection with Hamish. Like, she knew 
what he wanted and what he needed. And she'd tell me about how he was feeling. And and she told me as well, I said, uh, she, she ended up uh, about, I think it was about eight weeks or something, we went for an ultrasound and, um, and we showed Willow the picture of the baby. And she said, this, this baby is going to, but she also told me that Hamish was a girl and he's not. So <laughs> we're a bit off, off on that one. Can't but be everything, always right. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Everything else, though, she was spot on. And so, um, yeah, so Hamish's pregnancy was so much more um, straightforward. I just, I felt fantastic. I had a bit of nausea early on and I was nervous, but it was nothing like, the miscarriages or or Willow's pregnancy. I didn't have bleeding during Hamish's pregnancy. Everything just went smoothly um, and I felt great. And like fast forward, we, we had the morphology scan and got photos of this gorgeous little baby and the main thing I wanted to check was the placenta and everything was fine with it. So I was like, okay, this is all looking good to go. Um, and we met with our midwife and had lots of beautiful discussions throughout pregnancy and it was just absolutely divine I, I absolutely loved his pregnancy it was gorgeous and I'm so grateful that I got that um and then 36 weeks came around and I was like all right so this is around about the time that Willow was born she, she was at 36 and three days I think and so and I I decided I was going to keep working this time until 37 and a half weeks is when I was going to stop and I'd have my blessing way at 38 weeks. And I never got a blessing way or baby shower for, for Willow. So I was like, just hold in there, baby, just hold in. And I had, I was pretty sure that Hamish was a boy, but nowhere near as sure as I had been with Willow. Like I wouldn't have bet on it or anything, but I, I had an inkling. Um, and so, yeah, I, I started my maternity leave. And I remember after 36 weeks just being like, heck yes. I got to 36 weeks pregnant. I haven't even had any bleeding or anything. This is amazing. It's perfect. And I was just so happy that everything was going so beautifully. And um, and then 37 weeks rolled around and, again, I was having a little celebration in 38 weeks. And I was like, oh, this is incredible. I'm so excited. And I got to have my blessing way. And it was absolutely beautiful. And um, one of my fellow HVAC moms, she's had a home birth after two cesareans with um, my same midwife. Erin, she, she uh, sort of organised the blessing way and, and ran it for me and it was absolutely beautiful. And I I had um, a henna artist come and do henna on my belly and on some of the women's hands and on, on my daughter's hand and on her belly as well. And I just, it was absolutely gorgeous and I felt like oh, I really, I'm really prepared this time. Like I feel centred and so loved up and in this beautiful oxytocin bubble and it was just perfect um and then we had our what ended up being our last meeting with joe um and oh well last meeting before birth with joe and she was like everything's looking fantastic and i was like i know i feel amazing and then spot on 40 weeks i got up and i I um, just went about our day as normal. We were sitting on the lounge. I think Willow was, uh, I, I don't know if she was reading with Gus. I think she was. They were reading a book or something. And um, I was lying down reading the Birthing from Within book. And 
I fell asleep on the lounge, which never happens, but I did. And then all of a sudden I woke up and, um, oh, actually, no, before I read the book, I had said, I had commented to Justin, oh, I'm, I feel amazing. Like this pregnancy, I, I don't believe that I'm 40 weeks already. Like I, I do not feel like this baby's going to come anytime soon. I'm just so comfortable. Everything's totally fine. And like the baby had engaged. I'd had a chiropractic appointment earlier um, in the pregnancy a couple of times because I had some round ligament pain. And, yeah, when he did the adjustment, the baby dropped into my pelvis. And the last midwife appointment, Joe was like, yep, he's, he's in, he's engaged, it's, it's all good to go. So, um, yeah, it was looking good. And so, yeah, anyway, I woke up after this nap on the lounge and I just went, oh, my gosh, and ran to the kitchen and there was just, like, puddles of water coming out of me. And I looked at Dustin, I'm like, can you get me a towel? And he's run to get a towel and come back. He's like, you okay? I said, either I just wet myself a lot or my water's broke. And he's like, oh, really? And then being the birth nerd that I am, I, I whipped my pants off and looked in them and sniffed them and went, it smells like semen. And he was like, why are you sniffing your pants? <laughs> I was like, it's my waters. My waters are broken. And there were little flecks of vernix on my pants. And, oh, it was just so exciting. It must so have been I, just so, I don't know, because you probably, you know, that feeling of that gush and every time in the past it's been blood, it must have been just so refreshing was, to see clear water. Yeah, I was ecstatic and it was like there wasn't even a, a hint of any pink in it. It was just clear with flecks of vernix. And seeing the vernix, I think, was massive for me because I was like, oh, there's a baby in there. Like, you know, you know there's a baby in there, but there's like these little flecks of vernix that have been touching my baby's skin and now they're coming out and I'm going to meet them and, oh, this is going to be amazing. And I was just so ecstatic. And so I I think, I, yeah, I called Joe and, you know, I'm like buzzing out of my brain because my waters have broken and, you know, I'm actually potentially going to have a baby soon and, and she was like, oh, that's awesome. Like, just let me know. Keep, keep an eye on it. Let me know if you have any contractions or anything. And one of the things, I, two of the things, sorry, I'd been scared about during my pregnancy was bleeding and my water's breaking before labour because I was worried that, of course, with bleeding, I was worried that there would be an abruption or something going on again. And um, with my water's breaking, I was concerned about that because I was worried about the potential for infection occurring um, and I, I just really wanted to go into labour before, you know, that 24 hours. I was like, you know, I don't want to be that time bomb sort of thing. Um, and my midwife, I had talked with her about it at our recent appointment and she had reassured me, you know, it happens sometimes and like, don't worry, it's going to be okay. And I just thought that was so bizarre, like, you know, that somehow I intuitively knew that I needed to discuss those particular things because they were the things that did end up happening in my birth um, with Amish. So, yeah, so we processed through that and that was really good. And then, um, and yeah, I had let Joe know and I said to Jazz, look, I think we should go up the street and get some stuff from the market because our local growers market was on. It's only on once a month. So we went up there and while we were there walking around, I started having what I would describe as Braxton hits, but they were semi-regular. So I suppose they're contractions, um, surges, 
if you will. Um, and and so I was walking around and Dustin said to me, are you having one now? And I was like, yeah, why? And he's like, because every time you have one, your face goes red. And that was the only way he could tell that I was actually contracting at all. Um, and we started talking to Willow about, oh, you know, the baby's going to be here soon. And so she was excited. And I saw a fellow home birth mum at the markets and I basically – Normally, I would stay and chat for a bit, but I was like, I have to leave. I have to go because otherwise I'm going to be telling you that I'm in labor and I, I don't want anyone to know yet. And so um, off I went and, yeah, we took all of our beautiful food home and started packing it away. And by the time I got home, yeah, the, the contractions were quite regular. Um, and so we saw, I said to Jazz, look, I'll pack this food away and then I'm going to go and see if I can have a bit of a nap because – yeah, I'll just see if it slows things down or not. Anyway, so I packed the food away. I went and laid down. And it, and when we were packing the food away, we were also sort of setting up the birth space, which was just our bathroom. I was just hanging up, you know, affirmations and things that I'd already gotten ready. And then I, I went and laid down and listened to some hypnobirthing tracks. And I just realized when I was laying down, it was so much harder to work through. It was it was, it was still bearable, but I, I wasn't enjoying it at all. And um, so I got up and I said, Jess, I can't sleep. And then I started rocking over a fit ball. And um, very soon after that, I had started vocalising. And I'm glad that we prepared Willow for this. By, we read a lot of beautiful books um, like Hello Baby and um, oh, there were so many gorgeous ones. Um and we watched a lot of beautiful birth videos as well. And a lot, the things that I wanted her to focus on was, do you see that? Do you see the noise that that mummy's making? She's working really hard to get her baby out um, so that she knew that that noise, it was okay. And so here I am rocking over a fit ball and vocalising. And Willow was like, hey, mum, can I have an apple? And I'm like, yeah, sure. And that was like she was not at all concerned by it and this is from a toddler who was typically so so upset if I cried she would cry if I was in pain she would cry if if she was so connected to me and so concerned about me but she knew that this was fine well you're talking uh, about your oracle willow too she probably just knew it was going to be fine anyway (laughs) yeah exactly that's true (laughs) she just knew um yeah and so she was really sort of calm and fine about it and and then Willow kept asking Justin for things and I turned into a bit of a cranky person at that point and said to Justin, I need you here. You need to be here with me. And he was getting me heat packs and things for my back and helping put pressure on on my back and I needed him there. And so I said, look, we're going to have to get Jackie, my doula, to come. And so I was like, I'll message her. You sort Willow out and I'll message her. And I remember having four contractions and looking down at the phone and being like, I still haven't bloody messaged her. All I'd written was, hi, Jackie. And I was like, okay, just call her because I need her here. So anyway, he rang her and she she said, oh, I'm on my way over. And then we rang Joe And I said to Joe, look, I'm finding it kind of difficult to work through over the football and I'm feeling nauseous and I hate, I hate the feeling of, you know, that you're going to throw up. And I was like, I'm not, I am not throwing up. So I was like, can I get in the bath? Because if I stop rocking on the pit bull, I'll probably feel better. And she was like, yeah, that's fine. And um, 
And she said, do you need me there? And I was like, well, I don't really know. And she's like, well, you know, when you know, you call me. I was like, all right, no worries. And my mum rang me soon after that. And I, I don't know why, but I didn't want to tell her that I was in labour. Um, and I think part of it was because I didn't believe that I was. I was still in that stage, even though, you know, my waters had broken and I was contracting pretty regularly and finding it difficult to work through sometimes. I was still in that headspace of, you know, this could all just go away. Like this might just be, you know, prodromal labour or something. And, and, you know, those those times when it, it's quite obvious that you're in labour, but the woman just rejects the idea of that possibility. And so I was like, yeah, I'm fine. Mum's like, how are you going? I'm like, yep, yeah, I've got some niggles. And at that time I was like contracting and being like trying my hardest not to groan into the phone. Um, and she was like, okay, cool. And said, I'll, I'll talk to you later. I'm like, yep, sweet, no worries. And so she hung up and I got in the bath. And there was like, I got in the bath before I had even filled it up. And so I'm sitting in the bath with the taps on. There's like no water. I'm just sort of sloshing around in nothing. But I was like, I felt so much more centered when I was in that space. And I was like, yeah, this is where I'm going to birth my baby. And I've always loved water. Um, I've been swimming my whole life. I just, I connect with water and I knew that that's where I wanted to birth. And so I, um, I got in and then I think, Joe ended up being called around about this time and then I saw Jackie and, yeah, it all gets sort of blurry. Like I don't really remember much except I was working pretty hard. Like I just remember the the vocalising made it feel so much better. I felt like, yeah, this is totally fine. Like I've got this. It's all good. And then I saw Jackie's feet at the door and I was like, oh, yes, my birth team is starting to get here and that means I'm going to have a baby soon. And and so Jackie came in and she rubbed my back and she put some hot washes on my back and, and told me, you know, you sound really like you're really coping really well. You're doing great. And I was like, okay, awesome. And then she, she said she was going to go mind Willow for a bit. And then soon after, Joe got there. And I remember, like, even though I already felt calm, that Joe just brings this wave of calmness into the birth space. Like I, I don't even know how else to describe it except that I just felt so settled and like, okay, the birth team is here and everything is going to be absolutely fine because they're here and it's perfect and it's just going to plan and, and it's, it's fine. And so I, I felt calm and totally content and centered and, and I just kept going, just kept rocking away and doing what I needed to. And then Willow came and went, like she just came in and said hi and went and gave me kisses and at one point she asked if she could get in the bath and she did. I was like, yeah, that's fine. And pretty much as soon as she got in the bath and there was like one ripple that touched my body, I was like, get her out. I can't have her in here with me. And that was very much how I was during labour. I, I had hoped that I would be the serene, you know, birthing goddess that loves her daughter touching her and being there with her and and, you know, being in the bath with her and really I was not. I was just like, I need space and I don't I don't want you right here. You can be around but I don't want you in the bath. And so she ended up getting out. Um, 
And but it was soon after that I was like, oh, this isn't going anywhere. And I remember saying to Joe, it's just not happening. It's all slowing down. And I think Joe at that point was like looking at her phone at the contraction time of being like, it's really not slowing down at all, but okay. Um, and so I said, I'm getting out of the bath. So I got out and got onto my bed and rocked over the pit bull some more with hot packs and was very demanding that you have to have the hot pack heated up and on my back ready for the next contraction. Otherwise I was going to bite someone's head off. Um, and, but at the same time, like I felt, you know, as long as that heat pack was there, I was fine. Like it was totally bearable. Um, and so, yeah, so I kept going and, um, then eventually I, I said to Joe, I'm finding it is really hard out of the bath. And Joe was like, okay, well, let's just stay for a little bit longer. And I had commented that, you know, everything was too bright. Make sure all of the windows are closed. Make sure the blinds are closed. And they already were. But I just, I, I was so in my zone and needing darkness and seclusion. And, and I just thought that was really interesting that I went into that, you know, cave. I just needed to be by very isolated, I suppose, but with my birthing team. Um, yeah, and then so eventually I said, oh, I don't want to be on the bed anymore. I'm going to get back in the bath. And Joe had checked on Hamish's heartbeat and everything looked great. And and so we were back in the bath and going really well. Everything was fine. Um, and then I started falling asleep between contractions. And I was like, oh, this is really odd. And I remember thinking, like, even during contractions, maybe I'm getting close to transition because I know that women say that they fall asleep between contractions in transition. But then I was like, there's no bloody way I'm that close. Like there can't possibly be any way that I'm that close because this is way too easy. Like, and when I say easy, I don't mean like, you know, this is just like walking in the park. It wasn't easy like that, but it was a lot, a lot more pleasant, a lot easier than I expected. I was expecting this really, really hard slog by the time I was getting to transition. So I totally dismissed that thought and went, no, I've got heaps longer to go. My mum laboured for over 30 hours with me. I'm going to be the same. And by this point, it had only been like, I suppose, four or maybe five hours. And so I was like, yeah, I've got plenty of time to go. So I just went with it. And then progressively, and Jackie came in and gave me a washer with lavender on it. I normally hate lavender, but, oh, it was blissful this time. Um, and... And Willow kept coming in and asking how I was doing. And and then slowly I noticed that towards the end of a contraction, I was grunting and, like, starting to push. And I still I was like, yeah, this isn't happening and just discounted it. And and then very uh, very much at the same time I had to be standing up contractions and I was like yeah I can't I can't sit down in the bath I want to be standing so I'd sort of lay down in the pool or in the bath and then stand up for the contraction with heat packs on my front and my back and then lay down again in the bath and then I had my leg up on the edge of the bath for the contractions and I've I've no idea why that felt good but it did I just it just felt better to stand like that um and a little bit of um, bloody mucus came out at around that point and I remember saying to Jackie because she was there at the time I was like oh can you get Joe I just wanted to check 
that this is okay. And it just kept coming, like just little bits, but enough that I was like, I don't know that this is normal. And so, and apparently it's not. So Joe said, you know, let's, let's just, would you be okay if I checked where you're at? Just so that we know that, you know, we're towards the end and this sort of mucus makes sense at that point. I'm like, all right, no worries. And, you know, I was thinking, you know, I'm still early stages. Like it'd still be less than five centimetres. But in my head, I was like, yeah, I think, I really do think I'm close to transition, but I don't know. Anyway, so she checked me on the bed and I was like, oh, this is agonising. I do not like lying on my back while you're checking me. Like this was so bad. And I just sort of spared a thought for all of those women that actually give birth on their back. Like how on earth do they do that? It's horrendously painful being on your back when a baby is trying to exit your body. Um, and, and Jo checked and so she said, do you want me to tell you or do you want to leave it? I was like, well, that depends on how far I am, doesn't it? And she was like, well, well, how far do you think you are? And I was like, oh, I don't know. I think, like, I, I don't know. You just tell me. Tell me how far I am. And in my head I was thinking transition, so like eight centimetres. And she said, you're eight centimetres, love. And I was like, oh, yes. And, um, and so she was like, do you want to get back in the bath? I'm like, yeah, okay. And so she said, because of the bleeding, I'm just going to keep a close watch on bubs. She kept checking with the Doppler, but everything was going fine. And I kept doing what I was doing, standing up for contractions. And, and then very soon I started saying, Joe, I, I can't do this. I'm not doing this anymore. And she was like, I don't think you have much of an option. And I was like, yeah, I, I'm not, I don't want to be here. I want to go home. And Jackie was there at the time and she said that's the beautiful thing about home birth you're already here and I remember feeling like I just don't really care what you say this is not okay like it's too hard I don't want to do this anymore take me away from here like just go put me in bed and then the next contraction came and I was like yeah no this I want out we're not doing this anymore um and I said to Joe, I, I need to I need an epidural and Joe was like, I don't carry them. And I was like, yeah, but I need one. She's like, okay, and just sort of left it at that. And then the next one came and I was like, I need I need to go to hospital. I, I need something to help. I'm not doing this anymore. And Joe was like, yeah, darling, but you, um, you, but you don't have much of a choice. What are your options? And I remember thinking when she said that, the option is that you go and you get me a cesarean, get this baby out. I don't want to do this anymore. But it was over so quickly, like within a couple of minutes after voicing that, I had started grunting towards the end of those contractions. And it felt better once that happened. I, I didn't have those thoughts of I can't do this anymore. And it actually felt good. I was like, yeah, I this feels productive and I'm enjoying this and it's totally fine. And so on we went um, and I would get a contraction and towards the end I'd start, I'd, I'd be groaning through the whole thing, but then I would start pushing towards the end and my whole body was doing it, like just pushing towards the end. And then slowly that pushing urge took up the whole contraction. And I turned to Joe and I said, Joe, I'm pushing. And she was like, you have been for a while now. And I was like, yeah, but, you know, I, 
this was just so surreal. Like pushing means that a baby is getting close to exiting my vagina. And I, even um, until that point, I still didn't believe that that was going to happen. I was still very sceptical of the whole idea. Um, and so, yep, kept pushing and pushing and pushing. And and then I said to Joe, oh, this, this is just taking a really long time. And in reality, I would have been pushing for like five minutes or something. And she she was like, well, do you want to check? Do you want to see if you can feel anything? And so I reached up into my vagina and I'm like, I can't feel anything. And I just started wailing. This is going to be forever. I can't do this anymore. And Joe was like, just focus on each contraction, just the next one. And so I did that and just focused on the next one. And Justin kept talking me through it. Just the next one, focus on this one. It's fine. Just deal with this one as it happens. And then soon after that, I reached in again and I could feel something hard. And I just, I remember looking at Joe with this, like, I I just felt bright and like I was shining. I was like, yes, there's a baby and it's right there. And I said to Joe, I can feel the head. And she was like, awesome. And she asked me how far up it was. And it was about, um, like a full finger at that point. And so I kept going and and I felt through one contraction I had my hand touching Hamish's head and I felt him go back up. And I was like, well, that's a bit cruel. Um, and But, you know, he, he was still coming. He was still so close. And so I was like, all right, it's happening. Um, and then the next one came and I, I kept showing Joe how far – Amish was away from the exit um, on my finger and it was one knuckle and I was like I just remember grinning and just sighing this huge sigh of relief but also like ecstasy I suppose like yeah this baby is coming out and um and Joe said wow you're so lucid and I just I felt incredible like I felt like this goddess I have never taken any drugs of any kind but I imagine that that is what taking some of those very heavy drugs probably feels like, except maybe even better and without those awful side effects. I just felt incredible and it's the most amazing I've ever felt in my life, really. Um, And then slowly we got to crowning and there was my baby's head and I could feel his hair, I could see his hair and I was just like, oh, this is amazing and I was so present and so just so happy and grateful that everything was going so beautifully um and then yeah another big push and his head came a little bit further out and another big push and out came his whole head and Joe had tried to find his heartbeat at, around this point and she couldn't and she reassured me before like she she said I'm I'm pretty sure that his heart his chest is behind your pubic bone at the moment. It's inside your pelvis. Um, But I can't get his heartbeat, so I'm just going to keep checking. And I was like, all right, no worries. And once his head came out, she said, I still can't get his heartbeat, so um, I'd really like it if we can get him out pretty quickly now. And so would you like to see if, if you can push with the next contraction and see if you can birth his shoulders? And I remember saying to her, he's fine. I can feel him pulsing. He's fine. And in hindsight, that's a very odd thing to say. And it's probably a very odd thing to hear. My baby's pulsing. It's okay. But I could 
feel like this pulse. Anyway, so I pushed and one almighty big push and out came his shoulders and his cord was wrapped around his neck and that's what I could feel pulsing. And so it all made sense and out he came and we pulled him up and um, onto my chest and I was just looking at him being like, oh, my gosh, like how did this just happen? I just pushed this baby out of my vagina. Like legit, it came out of me and there was no knives or anything. It just came out. And I'm looking at him being like, oh, my goodness, you're divine. You're just perfect. Um, and But he wasn't breathing. And so he came out looking great and then he just sort of went a bit limp. And Joe was saying, okay, love, you need to rub him. Just rub him. And here I am trying to rub him, but I'm, you know, totally blissed out of my mind on oxytocin. And so I wasn't doing a very good job of rubbing him. And she kept saying, keep his head out of the water, but I kept like almost dropping him into the water. So she ended up um, helping me rub him and get him going. Um, And he required some suction. He was a bit phlegmy. And I think that probably got a lot to do with the fact that my my second stage was all of 15 minutes. So he shot out pretty quickly. I don't think he had much time to really clear his um, his lungs of all of that mucus. But, yeah, once he was suctioned, he screamed and kicked and he was doing fantastically and his beautiful cord was so fleshy and pulsing and, oh, it was just gorgeous. Everything was so beautiful. And Willow came in and as – as we had scooped Hamish out, Willow had screamed, Joe, it's a baby. Um, and and it was just absolutely perfect. It was just gorgeous. Um, and so slowly um, I noticed that there was a fair bit of blood in the, in the bath. And I had known from previous, or from reading essentially, that um, if you can't see your legs through the bath water, that's a good indicator that it's time to get out. And so I said to Joe, should I be getting out? And she's like, oh, I'd feel more comfortable if you did. Yeah, let's let's get you on the bed. So I got out and got on the bed. And it turns out that all of that blood was likely just from a tear that I had sustained because my enormous-headed child had decided to rock it out of me at speed. <laughs> but um, it, it was totally fine. Um, and I, I fed Hamish and got to squeeze him and touch his beautiful little squishy cheeks and he was just absolutely delightful and Willow got to see him and and then slowly the placenta came away and um, so I burst that on the bed and we got to look at it and it was just, it was quite beautiful. It was nothing like the placenta Willow had, had had in there with her but it was absolutely beautiful, I thought. Um and then, yeah, the cord had stopped pulsing. And so we decided to do a cord burning ceremony to, um, to separate Hamish from his cord, which Justin still to this day does not. He's like, why did we do that? <laughs> it was just one of those things he was not keen on and he's still not keen on it. Um, it just took time. and But I think that that's part of the beauty of a cord burning ceremony. Like you just have time to sit and really appreciate that this organ has nourished your baby along with your body, but this organ has been providing your baby with nutrients and, and oxygen and every all of the good stuff that they needed to grow and just honouring that and separating them really slowly 
and allowing that transition to be a gradual one rather than cutting, which is so instant. Um, and, yeah, the, the cord did some popping and fizzling and eventually it it um, separated and and it was lovely and beautiful and Joe went and did some placenta prints for me on some paper that I'd saved and um, and then just held Hamish while I went to the bathroom and then when I came back I noticed that he had some blood on his chest and so we realised that the cord hadn't actually completely sealed up properly. So we ended up needing to cut it as well and we used a really gorgeous, um, a, a beautiful little cord tie that I'd gotten from Blissful Herbs and it was absolutely gorgeous. And so we used that and and cut the cord and then he'd already had his first feed and he was totally relaxed and, yeah, and then we did some, I think we weighed him and measured his head and everything and then it was time for us to just sit in bed and go to sleep. And I remember... As you do. <laughs> yeah. And I remember saying to Jazz, like, this just feels so normal, like so average compared to this enormous event of having a cesarean and welcoming this baby into your life. But it's like this huge event to get that baby um, when we had a cesarean, whereas with Hamish it was just like I just pushed him out in the bathtub and then we got in the bed and went to sleep and it was like he'd always been. Like it, it was just so natural and such a beautiful progression from a family of three to a family of four, and and it was it's just beautiful. Yeah, I, wow. I just, I just feel like you know, just hearing this whole journey and it's been big in so many aspects, and then coming full circle into this completely just like you said normal experience, knowing that you achieved that because you listen to your body and to your oracle, the daughter as well. <laughs> yeah. And and it's just very healing for a family, I think, to, to have that experience. Yeah. No, it definitely was. It was yeah. just perfect. And, yeah, so I, I wouldn't say that despite Willow's birth being very um, unplanned, very different to the way I had planned rather, um, I didn't find it traumatic. And I know that that is an odd thing for some people to understand. But, you know, I, I don't feel like I was traumatised by her birth. I did what I had to do. I, I got the baby out and I, it was, I was devastated. I was very, very upset that I had lost that beautiful birth experience that I had planned for so long for. Like I'd planned for over nine months for that gorgeous birth experience. I had been so excited. But... I wasn't traumatized. I felt I felt okay about it. Um, and then to have this gorgeous birth experience where it was absolutely blissful. I, I don't feel like it necessarily healed anything per se. Perhaps it healed me. It healed my view of of birth and of my body because I did feel like my body had somewhat failed me with Willow's birth. Um, and now I know that. Uh, well, really, it, it wasn't a failure at all. That was just how Willow needed to be born. And I, I loved listening to one of your other podcasts, actually, by Faye, um, where she was talking about how the baby often, uh, well, the baby chooses how they are going to be born. And often it's not up to us. It's up to the baby. Like they're, they're the partner in the dance of birth. And yeah, I love that part, when, especially when she talk, spoke about loss and how the baby was just choosing its right body type. 
Yeah, and and I think yeah, that's it made so much sense to me to listen to that and to interpret it in that way. And so yeah, Willow Willow was born the way that she needed to be born, and really she was bloody smart. Like she decided that it was time to exit the womb when that placenta had given up, and and it still hung in there for a bit, um, for as long as it could until she was safely out. And so yeah, so I, I wasn't traumatized by that, and but I think that a lot of that. A lot of the reason that I processed it the way I did and didn't feel traumatized is because I had Joe by my side the whole time. I had Justin, of course, by my side the whole time as well, and Jackie. They were both hugely important and critical parts of the puzzle. But Joe was just there all the time. She was steadfast. She helped carry me through it. She gave me that continuity of care. She defended me in the hospital against midwives that were pushing formula and the obstetricians that were saying I needed to stay for extra time and all of these sorts of things needed all of these extra tests on Willow and all of that sort of stuff that I wasn't traumatized by that because I had that continuity of care and I had that bond and relationship with someone that I did feel I could trust so I, I feel like even if you aren't going to have a home birth I, I feel like it is so important to find that continuity of care with whoever you can, if that's a doula or if it's a midwife, just find someone that can give you that continuity of care. Um, mm. Yeah, I well, think so, that was a yeah. piece. Amy, thank you so <laughs> much. I, it's just such a beautiful journey to just go from that first journey of pregnancy into this experience. I just looking forward to sharing this with everyone because I just love these stories. <laughs> yeah, thank yeah. you so much. Love sharing it. And I chat too much. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> oh, good. Did this episode tickle your heart, move and rattle you in its wisdom? I hope you resonated with the show. Please head over to the website circleofbirth.com for show notes, including my personalised take on the episode, pictures, resources and how you can connect with a storyteller. Sign up to the newsletter and most importantly, please help this show grow to its full potential of serving you in its ancient wisdom. Donations made easy via PayPal. All donations will be received with love. Head to circleofbirth.com slash donate. And yes, I'd love an iTunes rating. This has been another episode of the Birth Share Project. We breathe, we birth, we become. We honor you and empower you.